Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. This is Danielle Town. And we're here for the Invested Podcast where we're talking about how to figure out how to invest so that it doesn't take a ton of time. You get really good results like Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. Yes. And your risk is lower than the risk you're taking in your mutual funds. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought I'd throw that part in there. <laughs> That's going to raise the hackles of everyone who believes in modern portfolio theory like crazy. Because it's just axiomatic that when you don't over-diversify across lots of exchange-traded funds and mutual funds and put your money everywhere, that you're taking more risk. That's axiomatic. When you only invest in a few things. When yeah, you don't things. over-diversify. So when you under-diversify. When you appropriately diversify. When you appropriately diversify. Which is a little bit of a joke. I mean, Bruce Berkowitz appropriately diversified into City, Bank of America, and AIG with $18 billion. <laughs> They're all in the same industry, more or less. So that was, I'm, I'm being a little facetious in that diversification is appropriate um, to the degree that you don't know what you're doing. Hmm. So the more you know about what you're doing, the less you have to diversify. For example, you don't have to diversify a lot if you buy a single-family home in order to rent it in a neighborhood that you feel very confident is going to be a good neighborhood in 20 years. It's got good schools. It's got a good location. Um, you have a contractor come in and check the foundations and, you know. Yeah. You don't have to have 50 of those. No, you don't. You can have one or two and they could all be in the same neighborhood and you could feel perfectly comfortable with that because you know a lot about the neighborhood. Yes, that's the idea. So what we need to do today is talk about how you find the equivalent of that house. Right on. So last time we talked about finding the neighborhood, which was places where you have passion and talent and you spend money. Oh, I like that, Dad. Kind of finding neighborhood. the neighborhood. And yeah. then within the neighborhood... We find the house or the apartment. Yes. Oh, yes. I like that. I like that. That's that's one way to go at it. Okay, another way to go at it is just simply start to scan all the neighborhoods out there to see what matches the kind of criteria you're looking for in this investment. Yeah. And that's called so, a scan. Let me just recap where we are okay. for a minute. We are going back to basics, are we not, Dad? We are. We are. Because it's been yeah, over a year, I don't know, a year and a half or something since yeah. we started this podcast. And, um, and we've talked about a lot of stuff. And I think it's time to go back to the original Charlie Munger Four Principles of Investing, which we started out with. And if you guys want to go back, you could listen to the first six or seven episodes of this podcast when we extensively discussed Charlie Munger. We did. And we're going to do it again now because it's so helpful to go through his four principles. So his four principles are understanding the business, being capable of understanding the business, having a business that has a durable competitive advantage or we moat, call them moat right? has management with integrity and talent and talent and has a good price and a price that reflects the realities of the world, which is things go up and down. Yeah. Right. And what we started out with, so this is now episode two 
of an unknown number of episodes that I'm going to call eight episodes. I know. So 60% of the time, we're going to do eight episodes when we say we're going to do eight episodes 100% of the time. <laughs> so we're on episode that's a two. Nod, that's a nod to Anchorman right there. <laughs> <laughs> we're on episode two. We'll see how many this ends up with. But last time we discussed something that I think comes even before Charlie's Four Principles, which is just finding a company in the first place in order to test out those four principles on. Yep. So we talked about the three circles. Right. Go back and listen to the one last time if you want to hear about the three circles. And, and at the very end, you mentioned a few other ways to find companies. So let's go through those today. Okay. Well, what are those things I mentioned? Okay. You mentioned scanning tools. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that is. You mentioned gurus, which mm-hmm. I'm going to assume are other investors buying things. Right. Um, you mentioned broker recommendations, right. friend recommendations, right. and newsletters. Right. So can we go through all those? Yeah. Okay. Let's go on. Let's go on and dive into those. So a scanning tool is just a tool on the internet from somebody's website that allows you to put in certain criteria that you're looking for in a business, and then um, it will go through. Eight to 10, 12,000 stocks in a split second and oh, find so it's those like things. Going online <clears throat> using a tool yes. to, <laughs> to just narrow it down. Yes. Okay. It could be called a screening tool or a, a scanning screening tool. tool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to screen out the stuff that doesn't fit and we're going to end up with the stuff that does fit with certain kinds of criteria. Okay. So Can you do that on your website? Yeah, on Rule One Investing, we built a unique kind of screening tool which looks for things like moat. And we look for moat by, by looking at a, at a score. We score every company out there in terms of its growth rates in the four growth rates we've talked about over and over again. So the growth rate of earnings. Oh, when we were talking about valuation. Exactly. Those growth rates. And, and so the moat score is a reflection of those kind of growth rates. But let me just boil it down like this. We're essentially looking for companies that have a lot of consistency and predictability. Mm-hmm. And in order to know that they've got that, we've scored thousands and thousands of companies for those qualities. And what we're looking for in particular is um, something that indicates that this company has a consistent high sales growth, earnings growth, cash growth, and book value growth. And if it's got those four things consistently high, over 10%, then there's something going on in that company that's allowing them to stay predictable and durable, oh, right? Okay. Nobody's yeah. cutting, they're not, they're, nobody's chopping away at their, at their profit or their sales or what's going to the bottom line and book value or their mm-hmm. cash flow. Mm-hmm. Competitors seem unable to take a piece of the deal. Okay. Which is an indication of moat. It's not perfect, but it's a very good indication of moat. So on our tool set, I've got a moat score. And you can just, and this works so similar wh- to where lots of Where do people those. go? Rule1investing.com? <clears throat> yeah, rule1investing.com. Click on toolbox, get a login. We, we can get you set up for a month. And then go to the search menu and search scan for stocks. And you click on that and a page will come up that says, okay, well, how do you want to, how do you want to scan? And it's pretty self-explanatory. Click on stuff and you'll see how it works. Okay. It's, okay. It's really simple. So let's say I'm like, rule1investing.com just doesn't work for me. 
What else is there? <laughs> well, let, let me let me just give you an example of how it does work, just for a second. Oh, okay. okay just we're still explaining. Okay. Because I want you to understand how how this thing screens. Okay, as an example of good screening tools. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going over and I'm clicking on Rule One scores and Moat scores in particular, and I'm taking the drawbar up and I'm saying, okay, I want Moat scores of at least eighty. All right. So. When the mode scores, I haven't selected anything on the scanning tool, and they all work like this. Okay. If I haven't selected anything on the scanning tool, um, basically it's going to tell me how many stocks it's looking at in general. So in our tool, it's looking at 6,255 stocks. Yeah, that's overwhelming. Which is all of the large cap, mid cap, small cap, micro cap. We're looking at pretty much all that. It's not on pink sheets so much, you know, and all those. What does that mean? That means stocks that aren't traded very often. Oh, oh. And they may not meet the trading requirements. Is that, for is that called over the counter? Mm hmm. Over okay. the counter is pink sheets. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. Meaning, like, they have to like go out and find a buyer. It's not, there's just not a, as much of a market. Not that bad, but there's a broker that covers it, but they're just not, they're, it's going to take some time to do the sale. There's not a lot of volume. Not going a lot of volume. Okay. All right, so I'm going to scroll this mode score up to, let's say, 80 or something. And um, I'm just picking a number here so you get an idea. And what that does is it narrows down the number of stocks immediately to 517. The, the beauty of these scanning tools is they're almost instant. If you're on a good mm -hmm. website, they're mm -hmm. very, very quick. But still, 517 stocks is a lot. Yeah. Right? So then we can go to another thing. We can say, oh, well, I want management scores to be high as well because in our system of looking at companies... If it's a good management team, one of the indications of that is going to, the company's going to have a consistent return on equity, a consistent return on invested capital, and low debt. So we're going to score for those three things. And I'm going to put those, I want to see at least an 80. So I put that in there. And immediately I'm down to 226 stocks. I'm doing this live right now, actually. And then let's say I want to look at oh, valuation. I want to know that these companies are actually in one way or another on sale. So one of the ways I look at companies being on sale is that they have an eight-year payback time. So I'm going to put that in here and just say, okay, I want eight-year maximum payback time. And I say submit that. Now I'm down to 88 companies that meet these three criteria. And I can do that by the exchange. I can do it whether they're doing dividends and price. So there's a lot of different ways we can, we can narrow things down. Hmm. Um, so now I've got 88 companies here. Now the beauty of starting off by looking at three circles is you start to get an idea of what companies might be interesting to you already. Yeah, for sure. All right? So it'd be kind of nice if we could combine the three circles with this search. <laughs> can you combine the three circles with that search? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to do the three circles and this search together and just say merge the list, right? Merge the list. And it's going to go out and try to merge the list. And it's going to come up with some stocks, right? So let's go submit. And it's loading the results right now. So it's trying to merge hundreds and hundreds of stocks here. And now the point isn't that you get to see the results so much. It's just that you can do this kind of stuff out there now. And you can find a way to narrow down the number of things you have to look at dramatically by doing a good screening. Yeah. So this is one way our stuff does it. Now, another okay. way that you could do it is go over to a, a website I like a lot called gurufocus.com. Yeah, you've mentioned Guru Focus a few times. So basically what it sounds to me like is there's a few websites, obviously you use your website a lot, but 
other people can use a few different websites and pull ideas from the internet. Right. I mean, just take a look at what they do on Guru Focus. He's got a major uh, menu item called screeners, and they have, listen, just listen to these screeners. They have the all-in-one, the industry overview, the Ben Graham net-net, oh. undervalued predictable, Buffett Munger, Magic Formula, which is Joel Greenblatt, historical low price to sales, historical low price to book, um, Peter Lynch screen, high short interest, 52-week lows, 52-week highs, predictable companies, um, dividend stocks, spinoff list, all so of that. So they have a lot of different lists. All of that, right? <laughs> so and, and the beauty is, okay, then I'm going to go to the all-in-one screener, which lets me build my own thing. Oh, that's cool. However I want to do it. Look at all these criteria they got on here. It's fabulous, right? So I really like their stuff. It's good stuff. Um, and uh, Charlie Tan, who built all this, is a, is a guy I know and I like. And they've got a thing on here called Petrovsky F-Score, which finds you very small cap companies hmm. that might be on sale, which is really fun to use. Hmm. You don't put in something like, okay, uh, I want to see the top 10 Petrovsky S-Scores. That's the only thing I'm searching for. And immediately up comes... Bob Evans, Cal Maine. So Cal Maine Foods, these guys do, um, what is it? I forget what Cal Maine does right off the top of my head. But Bob Evans Farms is, is a, you know, a restaurant. Okay. Cal Maine, I was just looking at them the other week. Um, L-Tech, Ethan Allen Interiors, hmm. which make the furniture, those mm -hmm. guys. Forrester Research, which is uh, guys that buy pharmaceutical companies, I think. I'm just scratching my memory for these. Fresh Del Monte Produce, okay. That's a spin-off of Del Monte, which does canned food. G&K, hmm. um, I don't know. Gartner, I don't know. Gentex and Golden Enterprises. So there's your top 10 uh, F-scores, and these are all nine-level F-scores, which say that they have, in general, what the F-score tells you is that these guys have a lot of book value, and they're turning toward becoming better companies right now. Hmm. And they're cheap. That's interesting that that list came up and you just immediately knew about half of those companies. <laughs> no, really. Like, yeah. that's that's pretty cool. It well, shows from go. your... Yeah, well, as you've been saying, like, over time, you sort of develop this base of knowledge just from, just from reading stuff about companies. And, and then there you go. Like, here's 10... Yeah. Not very well-known companies, and you were familiar, at least, with about half of them. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Well, that's that's what is going to happen to every one of you as you take this on as a kind of a practice. Yeah. Love that word. Yeah. When, when you, yeah. I was going to say hobby, but that doesn't nearly have the weight of it. It's practice. No, well, I don't feel like it's a hobby, that's no. for sure. <laughs> no. So that, that's another example of... of uh, like, let's say you were Warren Buffett and you said the most important thing I can look for of all of the things I can look for would be return on equity, let's say. And I'm going to insist on a return on equity of at least, um, let's say, I'm going to, I'm going to say I want at least 15% return on equity. Okay, go find me stuff. And how many is it finding me right now? It's got 1,844 companies. Wow, that's a lot. Which is a lot of companies. Okay, let's jack it up a bit. Let's go to 20% minimum. 
And now we're down to 1,178 companies. Put it at like 50%. Okay, let's, I'll tell you even better. Let's do the, the top, well, okay, let's do 50%. There we go. How many is that? 289. That's have 50%. a lot. And look at these companies. That's American Airlines, AbbVie, Amerisource Bergen, um, Acacia, Accenture. These are huge, famous companies. Hey, Armada Hoffler made the list. <laughs> Holy smokes, that's Melissa, which is awesome. Uh, Melissa's family has a REIT, um, her ex-husband, and she built this together, and it went public three years ago, called Armada Hoffler. Um, very, very, very well-run company. This is my opinion. Do not take this as advice, or and there's nothing but education and entertainment here, guys. But I like these guys, and uh, and you have to do your own homework, certainly. Um, and that's just the A's here, you know? I mean, really, really fascinating. Air Media Group. This is just kind of fun to play around with. Like, you put in some really high numbers on different um, different accounting lines and just see what, see what comes see back. See what comes out. And you'll know that some of this stuff is in your ballpark or not. Look at here's Lazard. These guys um, were embattling me in court against uh, Horsehead Holdings. Kimberly Clark Mexico, this big paper company. Kimberly Clark Corporation's huge U.S. paper company. So these guys have wonderful return on equity, hmm. which is a big, huge deal. Hmm. That, that tells you how much money the company's making on the money you own in the company. So um, anyway, the, the point isn't to pick out companies right now, but to just say that there's some great tools out there. I like that one and that one. Um, uh, inter- that's that's uh, Rule 1 Investing and Guru Focus have good sets of tools. Um, another real good place to go for information is um, usually known as uh, as the great place for mutual funds. What's that? Morningstar. Oh, yeah. They do a lot of reports and things about investing. Yeah. Well, they also do stocks. They do a lot on just stocks. And uh, you can... You can I'm not sure what they're doing. They're throwing a big ad at me here. Please go direct to Morningstar. And um, I can go over to the stocks portion of Morningstar, and I can start digging into stock data. Here's Morningstar research and so on, performance indexes, tools, and they have what's called a premium stock screener on their tools page. Hmm. See how I found that? So you basically just go to a website. You can Google... In fact, we'll do that in a second. But let's go over to Morningstar and just click on their premium stock screener here. And uh, and they said, oh, gay, you can get access to us. Just start a free trial. All right, so everybody wants to have a free trial, including our website. And they talk about what you would pay per year or monthly and to get that going. And so then you got to log in, or they're not going to let you out their premiums. So sign up for Morningstar. It's probably worth it. It's twenty-two bucks. Why not? A month. Well, I think they have a free one too. Well, they got a free one, but then they're going to charge you as soon as fourteen days are over, <laughs> just like everybody does. Um, so y- your basic tool. Um, so Guru Focus, Morningstar, Rule One Investing. Right. I'm Any others pay. like Yahoo? Do they have one or Yahoo has stuff? So it sounds like maybe a lot of investing websites have these screening tools. Well, Yahoo's much broader than that, of course. Um, but you got to click on the finance thing. So you click on finance. And um, I don't use Yahoo a lot. I wrote about it in Rule 1 a little bit. 
Um, you get to finance home, and then you can kind of see what your choices are. One of the things I really don't like about Yahoo is they just don't give you what you would expect to see in terms of their um, in in terms of their their menus. It's just like how the heck do you find anything on this? Make, they make it really hard to do it, um, <laughs> and I don't know why. I just it's always been like that. I mean, right now I'm looking at it. I haven't been over here in a long time, but I'm looking at it right now. And I don't know why I can't get immediately okay. into stuff. So clearly you don't use Yahoo screeners. <laughs> okay. And then there's Microsoft. Microsoft Money, it used to be called. In my book, I wrote about Microsoft Money. And I don't even know if it's still there. Okay, so clearly you don't use Microsoft screeners either. Um, wow. Microsoft <laughs> Money discontinued. Transfer to Quicken Software. Wow. Okay. Well, skip that deal. Yeah, skip that. All right. That's going to make a mess out of what trying do to do you, stuff in rule number one. What do it? you actually use? Because clearly you don't use Yahoo or Microsoft since you haven't been on them in years. You know, I do use Yahoo for one thing. They have but a I mean, really for good calendar tool. For but for screening, I use our own tool set. You use rule one investing. Rule one investing all That's the time. That's all you use. Yeah, I almost don't use anything else. Don't you look at, oh, well, this is, I this guess, is your screening. next point, actually. Screening yeah, tools. Screening yeah. tools. Screening tools. Now, that's one way to, or that's that's screening is one thing. Now, what, what's another thing on our list? Well, what I was about to say is don't you look at what other investors are doing. Absolutely. And then I realized that that was next on our list, which is the gurus. The gurus, point, exactly. Which is different. I, I get it. It's different than these, um, these sort of drop-down menu screening type of things. Yes, indeed. So I'm going back over to our website because we now, I'm so proud of us, we have now collected the guru data, which means the data on the investors who are have who have public portfolios, they're required by the SEC to publish once every 90 days, what they're buying and what they're selling, and uh, how many shares and all that. And we now collect that data from uh, the SEC and put it into... Um, part of our screening tool that we call Guru Search. So I'm going to go over here to that, show you what that looks like, because, Danielle, you haven't really been through all this yet. Well, these well, different things. some stuff I have been. Not this, because this is new. And what's this, this? This is Search Gurus. Oh, Search Gurus. It's on the site. Cool. I'm so excited. <laughs> so we go over Search Gurus. I'm clicking on that. And now what comes up is a list of the gurus that I particularly admire. So there's like 8,000 gurus out there. That means everybody that has to report yeah. anything that they've got, mutual funds or whatever. I'm not sure I'd call all of them gurus. They're not all gurus. Most of them are not gurus. So I've narrowed it down to 45. Okay. And I'm adding more as, as I find them in the SEC database um, that I really like. But these 45 are a pretty representative list of rule one style investors. Um, some of them buy a lot more stocks than I would recommend, hmm. um, but they're all oriented toward what I would consider value investing hmm. at a minimum. Hmm. All right. So, of course, uh, at the top of the list, we have Warren Buffett. And so I immediately can see that Buffett's portfolio is $130 billion. He has 49 stocks in it. When I click on his name, and this is how most of these tools work, you click on the guru's name and it'll show you um, the portfolio and what he's buying recently. And you can see that he's increasing his holdings in Heinz, Kraft Heinz. Okay. Pretty dramatically. Um, 
And Wells Fargo, he's got a big block, but he's not buying any more. And Coca-Cola, he's not buying more. Um, Phillips 66, he's adding to that particular part of his portfolio in the last 90 days. And you can kind of go over here and see the price and you can see the history. Click the little H button. And it shows you all of the purchases that they've made out of Berkshire Hathaway in, of Phillips Petroleum. And you can see that it you started back here in 2012 at um, about 31, 32 bucks a share. And then they added more at 75 by a lot, huge, or sorry, they, they sold a block, sold a block, sold a block, and they started adding again at $71 a share. And they've been adding in this range millions of shares um, in this range of 70 to 80 something. But the information is detailed. Yeah, very detailed. You can see what's been bought, what's been sold. And um, you go back over to the holdings and click on, let's say, uh, Heinz, and you can see who else owns that, hmm. who else has been buying that. Hmm. So this is our, our, our way of doing it, and there's a lot more there. Let's go to another one. There's another one that's free called Dataroma, D-A-T-A-R-O-M-A. Yeah, Dataroma, you've mentioned that one before. I have. And these guys track about 75 or so. Uh, gurus in a little different format. Um, and so to do this one, you'd look at click on super investors and it lists them alphabetically. So here's one of my favorite guys, Alan Meacham over at Arlington Value. He's a guy out of Utah, hardly anybody ever heard of him. And he started with like nothing about 10 years ago. And he now has almost a billion dollars under management. Wow. So that's really saying something. And he's my kind of guy. He owns 20 stocks. So I'm clicking on him. And over here on Data Room, it shows the 20 stocks that he owns. It shows that he's been reducing some of these a little bit, kind of getting more in cash. He's been adding some of these, you know, blah, blah, blah. So again, the same sort of information yep. coming, coming off the SEC. Yep. And obviously, if I made a list of, you know, my favorite 20 gurus or something, I could just go to the SEC's website and pull this information as well. It probably wouldn't be as pretty. It's but, not as but pretty. But I could do that, and it's free. And it's not even that simple. You'd think it would be, I know. But we it's talk not. about this every time, about how you think Edgar is so hard. Well, <laughs> the biggest problem is that you, having the guy's name isn't, doesn't do it because they're not filed under his name. Right. No, no. You need to know the fund. the fund name, yeah. And some of them have five. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, so ah, <laughs> which one, which one? Right. Okay. So, but I just want to make it clear that this is not proprietary information. This is public information right. that's from the SEC, and you can get it on the website. And the reason these other websites are aggregating it is to make it easier. Yep, that's right. And then we do one more thing. We say, okay, um, let's merge our list from the scan that we did. Where are you now? Back on Rule One Investing. Okay. So we we decided, wouldn't it be useful? to be able to pick companies that we're passionate about, mm -hmm. which fit our criteria for moat, let's say, and oh, they're the, on the screen, sale. The screening criteria. The screening criteria. Okay. And some gurus buying them. <laughs> yeah, that would be a good thing. That would be a good thing. So, you know, we're going to put those three together. Did you invent that? that. We did. Sick. We're the only ones who ever do that. <laughs> we should patent that thing. <laughs> so um, that's that's something we can do on our website, which is fun. Cool. And, and then otherwise, you just got to look through that list. And, and now, what started off to be kind of a problem, which is how do I find that house next, that good house that I yeah. could buy cheap? Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, instead of having to drive around at night, like Doug, my hair guy, <laughs> then... <laughs> 
you drives just, around at night and looks for houses. You drive around at night on your <laughs> on your notebook computer while you're sitting in bed watching the news. It's much more comfortable. Much easier. <laughs> and and you find good tools that you like and you start driving around. So that's another way to do it. So okay. Now I've got gurus. Now next on my list is broker recommendations. I don't have a broker. Broker recommendations. Um, this is... I sort of threw that on the list because people who do have a broker, like Edward D. Jones, uh, LPL brokers, they have 60,000 brokers that are independent. Yeah, probably a lot of people have brokers. A lot of people have brokers. And your broker is going to have ideas for you. Well, that's pretty much their job, right? Right. Okay. To give you some ideas. (laughs) And many brokers have no idea whatsoever about the value of a business. They couldn't tell you the value of the business to save their life. They have no education in it. Morgan Stanley, for example, I've been told, doesn't even teach this to their broker classes. Okay. Um, They just assume that their research department is going to make good recommendations, and the brokers that you're using out there are sales guys, sales girls and sales guys. That's their job, is, is to provide you, and I shouldn't say it's just sales, because they do an analysis of your uh, sort of risk profile and they try to provide you with um sec I mean, they're trying to provide good information good information yeah and if you want to own individual stocks they're not the ones that are going to be picking those very often okay some some do but so if i'm a, if i'm your broker and i call you up and i go phil just got this great information from my research team right about and by the way this is all they do in it's their all they entire do. lives and they think you should buy XYZ stock. Right. So what do I do with that? So exactly what you do with that is the whole point of this. And that is that now with an education, you can put that through your own process of looking at it with those four things that Charlie oh, okay. talked about. So you would go, awesome, broker, thank you so much. Let me take a note on that. I'm going to go check it out for myself. Exactly. And you might just have fun with them. You might say, oh, yeah, uh, great, I'm going to go dig into this. And what do you, what is, what does your team value this at? Dead silence. Stop <laughs> it. Oh, uh, well, it's priced at uh, 62, and uh, we have uh, an upside view of this at 83. That's what you're going to hear. You are not going to hear. Oh, the value of this is $132, and you can buy it today for $61. You will not hear that. Maybe, some, maybe somebody anybody. has a value investing broker out there. Who knows? They, I'm sure they do, but their value investing broker is not experienced enough to make a statement like that, mm-hmm. and his research department almost certainly isn't going to take that point of view. Well, okay, and let me say this. Even if you're value investing broker does say it's worth $130 and it's selling right now for $83. You should go. Let me go check that out. Value investing broker. Exactly. Thank you very much for the information. Exactly. And so this is so beautiful because these guys are going to come back in and they're going to tell you that you should do this because it's going to make you money, right? I mean, that's the essence of the recommendation. Do this. It's going to go up. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and so what we're teaching you is a process to put that information through once you find this company. So Charlie's basically saying, wherever you find it from, when you find it, they're recommending XYZ company, great. 
Am I capable of understanding this business? I don't know. Yeah, gotta go, find gotta out. Go check it out. Because if you're not, then you're just speculating by buying that business. No matter what these guys say, right? They're flogging something every day. Every single day, there's something that that research team is telling you you should go buy. Because that's what all these guys do. They make recommendations. Okay? So if they're not making any recommendations, they're not doing their job. They're not doing their job, they get fired. So they, the only people who are hired in this entire industry to make recommendations make recommendations all the time. I mean, that's probably true a lot of the time. 60% of the time. It's true 100% of the time. I almost wanted to make that joke for the fourth time, but I decided not to. I decided to go for it. <laughs> but I know some people who have really, who have investment advisors that they really, really like and who do not make re- regular recommendations. It's It's rare and it's, when they do have them, they're very well researched. And I think that's great and your point still stands. By the way, I'm... The point is still... Yeah. Check it out yourself. Check it out yourself. Because if you have to remember, if your advisor is giving you stock recommendations, then you should need to, you should kind of find out, did they get rich by investing or did they get rich by advising? Right? Because if they're giving you recommendations and they didn't get rich by investing, you should think, why not? Since they're the one recommending this stuff. So you're going to have, and by the way, I'm absolutely not excluding all advisors because there are some advisors out there who do this extremely well. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you're not going to have one bit of a chance of getting them uh, to be your advisor because because they do it extremely well, they've become extremely wealthy both as an investor and as an advisor. Yeah. And they can only handle so many people and they're just taking the people that they like. We don't, they don't have like to, you. We don't have to have... A bad investment advisor in order for this to be true. You can have a very good investment advisor. Yeah. And it's still, the point is, like, do the investigation yourself. And even better. We don't have to demonize the investment advisor. No. And I'm going to even tell you, we can, and what's the opposite of demonize? Angelicalize. (laughs) Venerate. We're going to, wow. Dude, that's a good one. Okay, we're going (laughs) to venerate some advisors. Because if you're having a conversation with your advisor and you say, wow, I really like this company. This is Chipotle Mexican Grill. You're recommending I buy it. Um, and I understand the business. I'm fully capable of understanding burritos. Um, and I've done some homework on this, Mr. Investment Advisor. And I, I think that they have a very, you know, what, what's your view of their durable competitive advantage here? The, the person you want to have as an advisor is going to understand what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have a conversation with you, and you're going to learn something from that mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. And you will be in a relationship for the next 20 years where you're in a constant state of education. Your questions are going to be answered in kind, and it's going to be great. You're going to have a blast doing it with that advisor. That sounds cool. Yeah. Okay. They're hard to find. Okay. So get tips from your broker. Check them out yourself. Yeah. All right. Check them out yourself. How about friend recommendations? Same deal. Exactly. Get tips from your friends. Try not to have it be insider trading. Lawyer tip. And, <laughs> and check them out yourself. Very, very good tip. <laughs> um, the SEC takes insider trading extremely seriously. Extremely seriously. And guess what? When they start digging, 
They come up with everybody who bought the stock that day right before the news came out. Yes, they do. And it doesn't matter if you only bought like 50 shares. There's going to be an unusual amount of trading and you're going to get sucked right into it. And they're going to come talking to you and saying, hmm, you happen to have a friend named Bob Smith who's under indictment. And we're really quite concerned that you seem to have a strange trading record here. Yeah, and lawyer fees tend to wipe out any gains you made. <laughs> For sure. So don't play with this one. This is uh, this is a, a terrible way to get burned, and, and you don't need to do it, especially when you really just innocently think the advice is coming, you know, in a fair way. So when some friend gives you when you when you're getting it from a broker, you you have to, and you can legitimately make the assumption that it's legit advice. Mm-hmm. But when you get it from a friend, you can't make that assumption. You have to be sure that this person is coming from an honest place and not just passing through inside information. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's unlikely to happen, but just, you know, general warning. But I do think that friends um, can give really great tips, you know, like, hey, I was in, I don't know, the mall the other day and I, have, I saw this store and I realized that, oh my gosh, it's public. Have you ever looked at it? You guys remember Urban Outfitters when you and Elena went over and, and stood in, like brought me into this, Remember at Farmer's Market uh, in Los Angeles? And you guys were like, whoa, you know, come and... What is Farmer's Market? What are... Oh, it's a, big, it's a big mall in L.A. And you guys were little. And we went into <laughs> Urban Outfitters. Had you never been in Urban Outfitters? Never been in Urban Outfitters. This is before they were well-known at all. And they were. I walked in with you, and the line was huge. It was like 30, 40 people in line to the cash register. Yeah, that must have been in the 90s or something. Yeah, Urban Outfitters 90s. was mega, mega yeah, back then. Yeah, except it wasn't on my radar. And then it got on my radar because you guys took me in there. It wasn't on the dad radar. It wasn't on the dad radar <laughs> at all. I got very, very interested in that one. That had like a 1,000% return. Yeah, well, there, so we were, we were friends providing some information yeah. in that context. And lately I've gone into Urban Outfitters and they are empty. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of sad, which yeah. is the other side of that story, that's right? That's the other, and that's and also important information. Very important to know. Yeah. Okay, so friends. Okay, and the last one you mentioned was newsletters. Yeah, newsletters are, are a kind of a catch-all phrase, uh, f- both for people who literally put out a newsletter online, online today, where monthly you get this newsletter. And an example of that would be Motley Fool. That is one of my favorite websites, M-O-T-L-E-Y. Fool, um, and it's called Fool.com. Definitely put this on your list of websites to do research in. Okay. They have lots and lots of people writing. Uh, the Gardner brothers are awesome guys. I, I know them a little bit. Did they know. start the website? They started the website. I mean, they go clear back to like Johnny Carson. You know. What does that mean? That means like the Tonight Show. They were on the Tonight Show. They were a big deal way back. You mean like they're comedians? Well, it's kind of a funny, edgy view of the market called the the fool style of investing. Oh, like they were you a know. guest on the Johnny Carson show. They were a guest show. on the Johnny Carson oh. show. Yeah. So, I mean, they've had millions and millions of dollars put into their website from venture capital. They're very, very successful. And they do newsletters. So... You know, so you, you put in your, it's like an email thing, you put in your email and you get a, a letter every now and then? Well, you actually pay them for it, um, you know, so here's their stock picking advice. There's one called Stock Advisor, and this is David and Tom Gardner's top stock recommendations. And notice that the return out of this newsletter mm-hmm. is about 183% compared to 
60% for the S&P 500 over the period of time they're tracking. You mean the recommendations in that newsletter? Had you done all of them? Had you done them, you would have done about three times higher than the S&P in that same time period. Yeah, I mean, it's really quite good uh, to get onto a good one. And those guys are good ones. Now, there's very specific type of companies that they look for. Mm-hmm. Um, companies that can really knock it out of the park. That's what they're going for. Okay. They're not rule one companies. You're going to use different criteria. So here again, like take the idea from them and then check it out. Check it out yourself. Am okay. I capable of understanding this? Yeah. Do I want to get this really This is where we go into in our next four from Charlie. Yes. Yes. We've got the name of the company. That's all we need. Yep. And so then we move from there. That's one area. Motley Fool's got tons of that stuff on it. And may, you may find it's really well worth uh, getting their newsletter. I think it's really pretty inexpensive. It's like a couple hundred bucks a year or something. And, um, and then the other one I really like a lot is free. Um, it's not newsletter format so much, but there's tons of people on this website that do post up newsletters and you can subscribe to. Okay. Um, this site is called SeekingAlpha.com. Okay, yeah, you've mentioned that one before. This is too. one of my favorite, favorite research sites. So if I was looking at Chipotle Mexican Grill, I would simply, well, wait a second, we're still finding, aren't we? Yeah. So on the finding part, I would, uh, I'm tied into their pro element. So if I were to look at, let's say, top ideas, um, it's telling me, that I should be looking at Lindblad Expeditions right now. <laughs> well, which, which, which is like, what? <laughs> yeah. Wait, that's, that's in my wheelhouse. An expedition company is public. So I would immediately be interested in that. Well, I, and I've been on it before. I think they just have a lot of contributors who mm-hmm. put up a lot of like information about what they're looking at. They do. So it's a good spot to just sort of, you know, it's less uh, targeted, I think, than the other newsletters and right. things this you were saying. Wide open. This is more like, here's a whole bunch of stuff. Throw it at the wall and see what sticks. Exactly. And, and you just clicked on something and it stuck with you. Exactly. Because it said expeditions, whereas I was like, what? Right. So now I know that there's this company out there, L-I-N-D, that does expeditions. I can immediately start digging into this idea and read all of the stuff that's been put on their site for L-I-N-D. And so by by just this one little thing, um, knowing where to go. By the way, I think over 500,000 people are on this thing. Hmm. It's used by lots and lots of professionals. Well, and what you just did and it's free. Is, a, is a big is what I'm trying to do with what I'm calling my investing practice, which is like not to make it a chore every day, not to make it a pain, just find what's fun. And often what's fun is looking into a company that's cool. Yeah, look at these guys. Are like going you to... just found a company that you thought was cool and you're like grinning ear to ear. I am. It's so much fun because look, I just discovered these guys are now booking for Cuba. Whoa. And that is not even public yet. This has not been press released. Then why is it on Seeking Alpha? Because they made some sort of announcement about it or somehow <laughs> it leaked out or this guy is digging deep, right? So you got this guy, his, his name's Dane Capital Management LLC, um, and I can click on his name. This is somebody who's writing about who's this writing company that you just And look discovered. at this guy's a prolific analyst. He just writes a lot of analysis for lots of different kinds of companies. And the beauty, I got to tell you, the beauty of Seeking Alpha yeah. is by and large, these are fully independent analysts who are really kind of 
doing a job application to become an analyst for a hedge fund or something like that. And a lot of times they're, they're even doing their MBAs at Harvard or, or Columbia. Um, and they've got insights that are not for sale. In mm-hmm. other words, they're not analysts at an investment bank, mm-hmm. which has a relationship with Lindblad. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're not hyping Lindblad, yeah. which is awesome. They're not, well, they're not trying to sell anything. Not trying to sell it, except their own skill set. Yeah. Yeah, so Seeking Alpha is fantastic. Great, great tool set. Yeah. So those are examples of the different kinds of ways we can find. And I think what you're going to discover is kind of in opposition to real estate where the difficulty is finding something that you is easy to understand. In stock investing, it's easy to find lots of stuff mm-hmm. that's on sale every day. Thousands of things. It is actually are being sold pretty every easy. Day. You just gave a whole bunch of ways to yeah. find stuff. Yeah. Now you gotta figure out is it easy to understand? So you gotta first you gotta figure out which ones like speak to you. Right. Like I for me, I like reading sort of more long form. Like I like the seeking alpha style of a newsletter form of kind of like here's something, here's why it's interesting. I don't really gravitate towards screening, um, screening, screening. no, because it feels very mathy. The it feels very mathy to me, and yeah. I'm like, oh, like I gotta remember what ROE is and why does that matter, and I get kind of like, oh, this isn't that fun. Right. I like reading stuff, which is why we did the three circles. And for somebody all those else students. will be the opposite for sure. Sure. Um, yep. So you know, finding my own way of um, of making it joyful is important. It's, you know, and one way of thinking of it is it's just shopping. And it's like deciding that we're going to make a practice out of shopping for businesses that we want to own for our future with a target of owning 20 of them in our lifetime. And from that can come financial independence, that little practice right there. Yeah, that is the practice. Well, let's wrap it up then. And let's go on to uh, our next podcast, which is going to be the third in the series. The third in in the series, that's yes. correct. Yep, where we'll jump back onto Charlie. And we're going to be back to Charlie, and we'll talk about being capable of understanding the Yeah, business. but from another point of view. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Till then, time to go play. Bye, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening to Invested, the Rule One podcast. If you like this episode, you can always get our show notes and more details and links to the resources we discussed at investedpodcast.com. Also, as long as you're online, head on over to investedpodcast.com slash workshop for details on an upcoming three-day live workshop that I'm hosting. All you gotta do to go is enter the special podcast code STOCKPILE, that's S-T-O-C-K-P-I-L-E, STOCKPILE, into the application form, and you guys can attend for free. So everything discussed on this show is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And it is not to be taken as investment advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really do hope you've enjoyed it. So until next week, it's time to go play. See ya.